that I would be fully and officially retired at the end of this year, ask me if I would be able to get all the way through Ephesians before I am fully retired. <laughs> and my answer was absolutely, 100% all the way through. Now, I won't preach through it, but I will get through it, I promise. Um, if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Ephesians chapter 1? We are just flying through the book of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, and if you don't have a Bible, come on, you're in church. Uh, use your phone, get an app or something. We're going to look at a lot of scriptures today. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. Ephesians 1 13, if you'll follow along. <clears throat> In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of of his glory. And I want to key in on that one little phrase today, specifically, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now keep in mind that the Ephesians would know something of what Paul was already referring to because of their beginnings, their experience with the things of God. In fact, if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts 19. I want you to see how the Ephesians first encountered the things of God. Acts chapter 19. And we'll start right in verse 1. Acts 19.1 says this, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, the first thing I want you to catch is, Paul makes a clear delineation of who he was talking to. It says he saw them as disciples. He didn't ask him about their theology or what church they went to. He didn't ask them who their pastor was. He didn't even ask them if they had been water baptized, as important as that is. He asked them simply, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? Why? Because Paul recognized that all of us need a power that is higher than ourselves. We need a power from outside of ourselves that can come upon us and empower us for that which we need. Reading on. So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, get, again, get this picture. These are a people who were called disciples who have now believed on Jesus and have been water baptized. These are full disciples of Christ. And look what happens next. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, this section in Ephesians 1 that we started off with connected to Acts 19, clearly reflects the fact, and I want you to get this today, that there is a second work of God's grace that is available for every believer subsequent, although partnered with, your salvation experience. In other words, your salvation is not the end of it all. Okay? You get that. That there is more that God has 
for you. They had the belief in Christ. They had the water baptism. They were disciples. But what they lacked was the sealing, empowering work of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some people who will wrongly teach, and I've heard it even recently. They will teach that until you are baptized with the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, again, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, same thing, just different words that are used. Until you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, you don't really have God in your life at all. I've even heard people say, until you speak in tongues, you don't, you're really not a Christian at all. And I want to suggest to you that that is both unbiblical and it's ungodly. It's unkind. And so I want to give you three points today, just three simple points out of Ephesians chapter 1 that I think are important points for all of us as believers to know. Number one, the first thing Paul makes clear is that you can't even come to Christ in salvation without the Holy Spirit. You can't even come to Christ in salvation without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, for those of you that were like me, uh, when I came to Christ, we were attending a Baptist church. And so one of the things that we all learned as kids in Sunday school is we learned the Roman roads to salvation. You guys, How many of you guys ever did that? Roman roads to salvation, okay. And you know then Romans 10, 13. It says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But Paul also tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, that no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You can't even call upon the name of the Lord except the Spirit of God is already ministering in you. And then Paul later on in Ephesians 2.18 says, For through Him, through Christ, we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. So I want you to get this. The first thing I want you to get is no one can even come to Christ in order to receive the saving work of God the Father without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You can't even be a Christian without the Spirit living and moving inside of you. The second thing I want you to get is this. Paul deals with is that who we're talking about is the Holy Spirit that was promised. Who we're talking about is the Holy Spirit that was promised promised. The Holy Spirit didn't suddenly show up in Acts chapter 2. Way back in Genesis 1, you guys remember, in the beginning, what happened? God created. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered over all that was going on and then God spoke. So there you have the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in one package, all ministering in creation. And the Holy Spirit wasn't just hovering, doing nothing. The Scripture makes it clear that He was part of the creative process. The psalmist in 104.30 says, You sent forth your Spirit, and they are created. And then Job chapter 26.13 says, By His Spirit He adorned the heavens. All throughout the Scriptures we see example after example of where God moves by His Spirit upon people. I, I think about like Samson. The Spirit came upon him and he did great feats. Gideon, the Spirit came upon him and he defeated the enemy. Again and again we see the Holy Spirit coming upon people and then moving in the power of God. In the baptism of Christ, we see again all three persons of the Trinity. You have Christ, the Son, going down into the water. You see the Spirit coming down upon Him, and then you see or hear the Father speaking from heaven, all in the baptism of Christ. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, 
where it's a work of the Spirit in salvation, it says this, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So you have them in creation, you have them in baptism, you have them in salvation, and even you have them in the resurrection itself. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. I I want you to get this because I've heard it taught. I was raised in a tradition where it was almost taught this way. That when Christ was crucified, He had failed the Father's mission. The Father had come with a mission. And that mission was that the kingdom of God would take over the earth. And when Jesus was crucified, it failed. So God had to send in the Holy Spirit as a pinch hitter. He had to come in and rescue things. But I want to suggest to you that that was never God's plan. That always the Father's plan was that He would offer His Son as an offering for your sins and mine. And that the Spirit was always a part of that plan, bringing the resurrection from the dead. There are some people, people who believe that it was a failure and that the Father had to send the Spirit to rescue us. But that's not the heart of the Father. What I want you to get this morning is that from the very beginning, it was God's intent that the, the heart of the Father was that He would indwell His people. He would dwell inside. It's not enough that you believe the right stuff. It's not enough that you know all the right Scriptures, that you can memorize it. I had an uncle, uh, Uncle Johnny. He's gone home now, but... Uh, he, he knew the Scripture front and back. He would argue with us. I mean, he'd gotten angry with God, but he knew the Bible. But he didn't have God's Spirit dwelling inside of him. And that's the difference for us. The heart of the Father is that He would dwell inside of you. And that's what Paul is talking about here when he talks about the sealing, empowering work of the Spirit. That God can dwell inside of you. In fact, we, we, we hear Paul say it in Colossians, Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So from the very beginning, God's intent was that He would dwell. In fact, in Genesis 2-7, it says, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and He breathed into His nostrils the, the breath of life. That word breath of life actually is the Hebrew word ruach. Ruach. Or in Greek, it's pneuma. And it literally means spirit. He breathed into them His spirit. And that was God's intent from the beginning. Man was created to house the glory of God. Paul tells us in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6.19, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? All along, God's intent was that He would dwell inside of you. And then, in Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel 36, way back in the Old Testament, God gives this promise to His people. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. In other words, God's saying, I'm going to give you a spirit that is open to me. i got to tell you, in my life, I wasn't always open to the things of God. There was a time when we knew nothing about God. In fact, all I knew about God was that my father, who was raised in a Catholic tradition, grew to despise God in the church. That's all I knew growing up. I had no heart for God, it seemed. 
But suddenly, one day, something began to shift inside. And that wasn't accidental. God promised that He would take out of me that heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh, a heart that leans towards Him. But that's not all He would do. Look at the next verse. He says, I will put My Spirit, My Spirit within you and cause you to walk in My statutes or My ways and you will keep My judgments and do them. And we see that promise fulfilled in John chapter 20. Jesus said to them, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Just like he did at creation. He does it here. Which was a promise that was leading forward to that which would happen in Acts chapter 2. Jesus said, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. And here's his promise to you today. And this is kind of where I was hoping to go. His promise is simply this. This is out of Isaiah 44.3. I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. My question to you this morning is, are you thirsty for the things of God? Have you gotten to the point where you said, if this is all there is, I want it. I want more than this. I want the more of God. And that's his promise. His promise wasn't just to the people he spoke to. He says, my promise is to your descendants. That's you. And he says, I will not only give my spirit, I will give my blessing upon you. And of course, he fulfills that in Romans 5 when he says, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Romans 5.5. 5. And again, that's fulfilling what Peter addressed in Acts 2, which he was quoting from Joel 2, when he says, in the last days, God will pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. God says, I have more for you. There's a whole lot of people who think, as long as I get my ticket punched from heaven, that's all there is. But God has more than that for all of us. If your heart will be open to the more of God. He wants us to live not just as disciples of God, but filled with the Holy Spirit. Number three, it's the Holy Spirit who authorizes your ministry. Just recognizing that you're a believer, just recognizing even that you have the Holy Spirit isn't enough. And I know this might upset some of you, and I don't mean to upset you, but I do want to put it this way on purpose to kind of get you thinking. And, and I word it this way. God's highest desire for you is not your salvation or even heaven. Let me say it again. God's highest desire for you is not your salvation or even heaven. If that's all it was, then when I was baptizing you in the tank, I would have just held you under a little bit longer. <laughs> and it could have been done. You'd be in heaven, right? If all God cared about was you getting to heaven, that's easy. He has more for you than that. God's desire is for you to know the fullness of His presence. The fullness of His Spirit. I worded it this way. I, I know this isn't the best wording because I know I'm not the best wordsmith. But I worked on this and this is how I worded what I believe is God's highest desire for you. It's that through the sealing empowering work of the Holy Spirit by which He demonstrated that He authored you, He wants to make you an authorized, full-fledged minister of His life and love 
everywhere at all times. Let me say it again. His highest desire is that through the sealing, empowering work of the Holy Spirit, by which He demonstrated that He authored you. In other words, how do you know that you're even a believer? Because you feel His presence inside of you. It's not enough just to recite some words and to say, I said the sinner's prayer. I know a whole lot of people who said the sinner's prayer and went back and continued to live for the enemy. The way you know you're a believer is you feel the depth of His presence in your soul. So, again, His highest desire is that through the sealing, empowering work of the Holy Spirit, by which He demonstrated that He authored you, He birthed you, you're His. He wants to make you an authorized, full-fledged minister of His life and love everywhere at all times. It's not that someone doesn't possess the Holy Spirit when they get saved. They do. They must. But here's my point. There is a richer, fuller dimension of God that is available for every one of us. Where there is an overflow and an outflow of His presence from you. In other words, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you already have the Spirit inside of you. But God wants to take that Spirit that's in you and begin to exude it, ooze it outside of you so that you become contagious to everyone around you. I've heard enough about COVID. I'm sick to death of hearing about COVID. I want us to be contagious with something else, far more powerful, with the fullness of His presence. When we uh, were raising our kids, we would teach them songs, you know, like, uh, you guys remember, you guys did the same thing probably, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know, uh, Jesus loves the little children, you know, all those songs. Well, we also taught them this little song, it says this, I want more of Jesus, more and more and more, I want more of Jesus than I've ever had before, I want more of His great love, rich and full and free, I want more of Jesus, so I'll give Him more of me. What we were teaching our children from the youngest age is there's more of God. There's more. There's more for you. You don't have to settle for what you've experienced, what you have. There is more of God's Spirit to empower you and to live through you. Please get this, though. Uh, And I know I say some things that uh, maybe you think, well, why are you saying this? Because I hear people say things that sometimes I think... uh, To quote Ava this morning, she said to me, are you insane? Well, um, I think sometimes people are insane. I've had people say things like, you know, um, if you are filled with the Spirit or baptized with the Spirit, I don't care what term you use, they're, they're speaking of the same encounter, the same experience. If you're filled with the Spirit, you're better than everybody else. You're not better than anybody. You're better off for having received, but you're not better than anybody. And by the way, when you get filled with the Spirit, it doesn't, I've heard people teach this, it eradicates sin from your life. It didn't do it for the early apostles. Why would you think it would do it for you? It doesn't. That's a work of God's grace to continue to grow you and to change you from the inside out. But there is a power that is available for every single one of us. This baptism or filling of His Holy Spirit. And then Paul takes it one step further in Ephesians 1. If you're back there, Ephesians chapter 1, he says this, You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until, that guarantee is put out there, until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. 
That word guarantee comes from the Greek word erabun. Erabun. And it's a word that's still used by Jews today. It used to mean a down payment or earnest money. It, it, it was money that you would give to cement a deal to let them know that more would come later. So like my wife and I, uh, we're planning a vacation in October. Uh, I know we're going to be retired soon, so life will be a vacation, I hear. Um, I haven't had that experience yet. I'm waiting for Tom to tell me about it. Um, but um, basically, we wanted to take a vacation to Myrtle Beach. We like Myrtle Beach. It's an enjoyable place. So we found a place we want to do it. Well, they're asking for a down payment. They're asking for an Araboon. A guarantee. And so when we give that down payment, what I'm saying to them is, here's this little bit of money. This little bit of money I'm giving to you now to promise you that in time, more will come. Right? That's what this is about. And that's a good way to look at this. The Holy Spirit is God's promise to us that there's more to come. That He's got more for you. But that's not how it's used today. Today, the word Arabun is the word that they use for engagement ring. Isn't that interesting? Back, I don't know, I, I asked my wife and then I forgot what we talked about. That's never happened to you husbands, right? Um, I think it was 44 years ago, I gave my wife a ring. And that ring was an engagement ring. And it was a promise that there was more to come. It was a ring that I gave her over a year before we stood at the altar and I gave her another ring. It was a promise that one day that would be consummated in our marriage. And that's kind of what God's saying. God's saying, I'm giving you a promise. The ring is my Holy Spirit, my very presence. And he says, just so that you know that I'm serious about this, I'm going to vest my life inside of you so that you can know it's real and that there's more yet to come. You have more that's available for you. That He who began a good work in you is going to keep going. He's not done yet. All of us know that we're works in progress. But He wants you to know by His Spirit that He puts inside of you that begins to overflow. And you find yourself sometimes saying things that you think, I don't even know where that came from, but wow. I can remember talking with, uh, I was on a bus. I, we had been going to church a very short time. And again, I had said the sinner's prayer every Sunday because in our Baptist church, uh, we were taught that if you sin between Sunday and Sunday, you had to come back to the altar and get saved again or else you would go to hell. So every Sunday we'd say the sinner's prayer. So I got saved again and again. But on Monday, I'm on the bus and I'm sitting in the front seat right next to the bus driver. Um, you all know what that means, right? I don't even know what I did, but I know I did. <laughs> Sitting next to me was this guy who was down the road. He was, I, I believe his last name was Linehan because uh, he had three uncles that were like wild men. Uh, anyways, he's sitting next to me, and somehow, I don't even know how it got there. In the midst of the conversation, he said something to me about church, and I started sharing the gospel with this guy, hardly knowing it myself. But as I'm sharing it, I'm telling you the truth, I'm probably 12 years old at the time. As I'm sharing it, I felt something come over me like I had never felt in my life. I felt like this presence, like a, a, a 
shroud coming down on my, the weight of it, I could feel it. And I felt like what I was saying that I didn't even know for sure myself, I felt like it was going out with power. And I can remember this kid saying, wow, I want that. But the truth is, that's what God wants to do with all of us. He wants to so fill us that we, we leak out on people around us. He says we carry this glory, God's glory, in earthen vessels. Well, I don't know if you looked at it yet lately, but the word that he uses there for earthen vessels means cracked pots. It's the word he uses. Why? You think, well, why doesn't he have some pristine, beautiful glaze? No, he wants it cracked so that his glory can leak out. You're not perfect. You will never be perfect. I am not perfect. Look at me. But God's glory can be seen through cracks all over the place. And that's what this is about. So that, now, having already said all of that, let me finish with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19. Paul says this, For all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now, He who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God who has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. What I want you to see is salvation is important. It's important. You need to get saved. It's not enough just to say, I believe the right stuff. You need to encounter God. You need your life to be impacted by His presence. It's not enough just to say some magic words, abracadabra. you got to encounter Him. But having done that, that's not the end. When I graduated from high school, I was graduating. I thought I was done. What did they do? They had a commencement service. Why would you call it a commencement service? It should be called the graduation service. No, they called it a commencement service because they knew that from that point on, you were going to commence in a new way of life. Well, I want to suggest to you, God has commencement for you. More of Him and more of His presence. And by the way, you need it. You need it. You need His presence because none of us have the power in ourselves. We can't do it on our own. We need His presence. His commencement into something far bigger and far better. So, in order to partner with God's purposes on the earth, He gives us His Holy Spirit who doesn't just convict us of sin. He does that. He also convicts us of righteousness, by the way. That God has done something in me and I've changed. But he also fills us with his spirit and empowers us for the work that we would become able ministers of the gospel of grace to those around us. What we need, what Family Life Church needs, what this area needs is not more pastors, not better pastors, not better preachers. What they need is the work of God. The presence of God. We can call it revival. You can call it reformation. You can call it anything you want. In order for our world to be turned around. And I hear people complaining about the world all the time. They don't like what's going on. I understand. I really do get it. I grew up too. I knew what it used to be like versus what it is. And for some of you, you're older than me. You knew even more. I know all of that. But what Warsaw needs, what this community needs, what the world needs is the fullness of God's presence. And he says, his promise is, 
the knowledge of the glory will fill all the earth as surely as the waters cover the sea. That's his promise. Would you bow your heads with me? Just take a moment. The scripture says he's going to give you a new spirit, a spirit that is open to him. That's his promise. He's never failed. Is your spirit open to God? I'd even take it a step farther because later on in Ezekiel he said, it's open to those who are thirsty, those who are hungry. Are you hungry for the things of God today? Maybe you're somebody who's come to church forever and it's like it's the same old, same old. We do the same songs, you stand up, you preach, we all go home, la-da-da. Are you hungry for more of God, more of His presence? Because that's actually what changes the dynamic of where you work and the job you have. You go to the same job every day, you do the same stuff, but what gives it value is His presence. Presence.